Hello, my friends. You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am your host. I'm here to share my entrepreneurial journey with you, and we'll be bringing on some amazing women who've been helping me, mentoring me, and inspiring me on how Grit and Grace helps them crush it in business, relationships, fitness, family, friends, and all that good stuff. Now, let's get started. This is really exciting. I often say this, and I'm going to sound a little repetitive here, but I get to meet with and spend time with the most amazing women. And today <laughs> is is no less than that. I have Pat Jakes with me. And I first heard her speak at the recent TEDx in Cherry Creek. And she just, her life story and how she's become who she is has like, it talked to me. You spoke to me in ways that I could connect with. So I'm, I'm really excited that you're with me. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Toverly. I'm very happy to be here. And it's, you know, I feel like I've connected with you too. We're kindred spirits. We are. And we've already, and I I have, I'm going to tell people a little bit about you, but I want, I cannot wait for our listeners to hear the path of grit and grace that you've lived, because that's really what this show is all about. And, you know, when I think about what it's like to get to a place where you can look back on all the things that you've experienced that made you who you are today. Right. I can't I can't ever think that we've had any anything that hasn't meant to to be because what we've been through gives us the resiliency and the courage to be who we are. So that's that's yeah. uh, anyway, I know I'm like diving Absolutely right in. Agree. I could just start talking. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> let me let me tell everyone about Pat. This is what you need to know about her is she is truly um, a genuine, courageous and authentic badass. She transformed her early life of violence and abuse to become a pioneer woman racing men's moto motocross I want to say motocross, but it's actually motocross, successful entrepreneur and founder of ADV Woman. Pat has been riding, racing, and teaching motorcycling for over 40 years. She developed training techniques specifically addressing women's unique physical communication and learning styles, which is so true. Women are different. And she has a talent for breaking skills into teachable pieces by her inspiring confidence and helping riders achieve success. And although she might be teaching motorcycling, what she's really doing is empowering women. And I'm going to let you, Pat, tell us a little bit more about your motorcycling history because I think that where you started when you were young and how your passion you just never gave up on it and I love that <laughs> I just love it so much all right so tell us where, like what why mo- why motocross how did that come about well really it started when I was about four or five years old growing up in Germany my, I'm an army brat and there was a world grand prix motocross track outside of town my dad took my brother and I to the races and there was one part of the track where there was a gully and most of the riders rode down into the gully and came up on the other side mm. but there were one or two guys that jumped clear across the gully and passed everybody in the air and there's just that's it I was hooked you know four or five years old and that's what that's I wanted what I was to do. so four or five years right. old is the first time you saw it and I try to picture jumping and I've seen pictures and, and clips of you jumping and you can go like really high and oh yeah those bikes weigh how much well it depends you know my little single track bike is around 200 pounds but oh my, my big goodness. adventure bike is 550 pounds oh and I've, I've had them all up in the air pretty high and um oh you know my. one of my favorite sayings is just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> but right. it's fun right right well this is one thing that we have in common you and I both have this like drive for these really challenging things right and right. that's and doing it in a men's world uh, that's 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 a totally different experience. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, it, it was a, a unique 
experience because at the time there were only a handful of other women that mm. rode and most of them uh, rode in California and I grew up in South Carolina but mm. you know uh, it was just a passion and I never really thought about the fact so much that I was racing against men as I was just out there having fun yeah you know yeah okay so you were you moved to South Carolina you said right South Carolina and you had you had witnessed this amazing feat of a, a piece of machine leaving the ground and going whoop whoop into the air. Right. I think that's a word, whoop whoop. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you came back and wanted to do that. Yeah, well, you know, when I was eight years old, my dad gave my brother and I a little green mini bike for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we rode that thing all over. And then when I was 11 years old, I made the honor society at school. And when my dad asked mm-hmm. me what I wanted as a reward, I said I wanted a motorcycle. And, you know, wow, he bought me this shiny red Honda. And the first thing I did was give half of it to my brother, who was my best friend. Um, And, you know, we had all the kids in the neighborhood had bikes and we had a little track and we were racing. And then it wasn't long before my brother started racing motocross Mm. on that red Honda. And uh, believe it or not, at the time, I sort of accepted it when my dad said that motocross was too tough for girls and too Mm. rough. And and then we showed up at the track one day and they had a powder puff class for women. And I always have to love it that yeah, by the way. They call I it I mean powder puff. What does that mean? Like <laughs> women are fluffy and powder. Anyway, yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, so so it was uh uh the, those girls just didn't know what hit them because uh, mm. I wound up lapping the entire field and winning first place and then there were like two more powder puff races where the same thing happened and my father finally acquiesced and let me start racing against the boys Mm. and uh, so that was the beginning of a long and successful career and um, one of the few other times that I raced against women was when I was 16 years old Uh, my dad took the whole family all the way to California for me to race in the women's national championships and I guess that was the first time I realized how good I was because uh, Mm. I had a 32 second per lap lead on the entire field and, and was doing really well until I had some bad luck. Uh, so uh, it was it was a, an exciting experience in that I realized how good and how fast I was, but it was disappointing because I did have some bad luck. But then the thing that I'm most proud of is that when I was 17 years old, I raced in uh, Florida at the AMA Winter Nationals, which was uh, men's racing, mm-hmm. and that was the big winter series, and I finished top 10 against the top men in the United States. Mm. So that was, a, that was a pretty big deal. And they at don't, 17. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they, you know, they, they don't do um, – the winter series is gone in the winter now. Nowadays we do Supercross, but uh, – that was a pretty amazing experience t- yeah. to do that. And you still love being on your motorcycle now? I absolutely do. Yeah. And, and you know, I've returned to my childhood. I, I don't race anymore. Uh, but every time I get on that bike, and, and the kind of bikes that I ride are all off-road capable, They're but they're street legal. Mm. So it's so cool to see a trail or a dirt road and say, gee, I wonder where that goes, and just go exploring, which is exactly what I do. I spend most of my time in the backcountry. Um, and if I have a choice between riding pavement and dirt, I'm going to choose dirt every time mm, interesting and and I know you you have a business called ADV woman and this is and we're gonna you know let all our listeners know where they can find you you know at the end of the show and we'll put it in the show notes but you lead tours right and you teach women now how to ride motorcycles and tours in backcountry and by the way for anybody that's listening we are in Colorado so there is some of the most beautiful backcountry in the world is yeah. located literally you know just 
miles away from where we're at. Right. Well, there's there's a tour that I I did in 2017. I offered uh, the first ever all-woman Colorado backcountry discovery mm. tour. And the Colorado BDR route goes from the Wyoming border all the way down to the Four Corners area. It's about 85% off-road, and it's uh, 650 miles, and uh, it's a six-day tour. And, you know, it's it's not just about riding. Um, anytime mm-hmm. anyone pushes the limits and learns to be self-sufficient, that's empowering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're back in the back country. You can't just pick up the phone and call AAA if there's a problem. Uh, so we learn not only riding skills, but we also learn how to work as a team. Uh, we learn how to read the weather. I mean, Colorado weather, especially in mm-hmm. the summer, it's th- thunder and, and, and you have to just, there's just so much to be aware of. And when you can develop that kind of confidence from yeah. doing something, Something like yeah. that it transcends all aspects of life yeah and how did you develop the confidence outside of racing I mean how did you develop the confidence to feel comfortable being a part of a self-sufficient team like that well it's kind of been in my makeup all along because I spent six years uh, teaching skiing with the National Sports Center for the Disabled mm-hmm. and I've taught mountain biking and I've done a bunch of uh, backcountry horseback riding and hiking uh, and, and backcountry skiing. So I've gone to avalanche classes. I've mm. done first aid classes. I was a volunteer patroller with Jefferson County Open uh, open Space uh, Horseback Patroller. So uh, just through the course of my passions, I've spent so much time in the backcountry. And in order for me to be safe, I've developed a lot of skills and taken a lot of training so that I, so that I know these things. So if I if I ever want to go somewhere like really remote for days on end, you're the person I want to have with me is basically what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I need to bring you with me to make sure that I'm safe. I don't I don't because you know I I grew up in the mountains too, but I definitely do not know any of of the safety precautions other than how you were raised and what you learned, right? I mean, you know right. where to go when lightning comes. We know how to you know pay attention to the weather, especially when it's high um, high river times. I grew up in Lyons, which you may know has recently. Right you know, been majorly impacted by floods. So I, I grew up knowing enough, right? But you, that sounds really interesting. Well, you know, a lot of your knowledge is developed just by being a local, right? Yeah. yeah. But when you come from out of state, you, a lot of people that don't live at altitude in Colorado don't know what the effects right. of altitude are. They don't know about the fact that in the summer, you better be below tree line uh, before one o'clock because that's when afternoon thunderstorms happen. Uh, they don't know about the fact that you lose 20% horsepower above, you know, something like 4,000 feet of elevation, Mm. but you also are going to lose that much of your own energy. Mm. Um, So just by living in Colorado, I think we all learn things that we take for granted that uh, folks that aren't local here uh, have no awareness of. Right. And if you ask most locals, they would say, okay, well, if you don't know, you shouldn't come. You know, just... If you don't know anything about Colorado, you shouldn't come. I know that's that's not uh, right. Sorry, I can't help it. You know, it's it's our state is booming to the point where it's difficult, right? It's good for our economy. It's good for so many things, but it makes it difficult when you're used to being able to go places and find solitude way easier than you can now. I agree, but I also love to share my passion for mm. the beauty of Colorado yes. and to teach 
people to honor and respect it, to stay mm. off of the tundra, to mm. stay the trail, not to ride off the trail, you know, to be safe, to carry their water, to carry the waterproof gear. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that we can keep people from coming. So let's let's yeah. empower them. Let's teach them yeah. to be respectful and to do it right and to do it safely. And that's what I do. Well, that's a really good way to think of it. I like that. That's better <laughs> than that little kind of snark that I just brought out a little bit there. You know, forgive me. I, you know, it, it, it happens. Locals, we do that sometimes. Um, okay, so let's go back to talking about this resiliency piece, because I know that it wasn't easy for you riding, um, you know, with men, you know, early on and young, and your family, I'm sure, wasn't always on board with this, you know, having their daughter do something that wasn't a standard typical path. Well, you know, it's interesting because I describe my life as a, a combination of opportunity and oppression because I feel very grateful that my family always supported me in my motorcycling career, mm. but uh, there were many other aspects of my life that were quite darker. Uh, in, in fact, uh, this tension between the, the passion and pleasure that I felt riding the motorcycle was a completely opposite about everything else in my life mm. was wrong and everything about me was wrong and I, I just didn't fit in. And, uh, and so thank goodness for the motorcycling because <laughs> that was yeah. the good stuff. <laughs> that was your outlet. That's yes. where you could find yourself and, you know, sort of your peace and quiet amongst the chaos. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the chaos for me was uh, about never being enough. Um, and it was obvious, again, you know, I was first turned on to motorcycling when I was four or five years old. And at that same year, when my parents asked me what I wanted for Christmas, I told them that I wanted a cowboy outfit. So I had visions of six shooters and chaps. And when I was given a cowgirl outfit mm. with a skirt, mm. oh, I was hugely disappointed. Mm. But um, you know, it was obvious to me that that the the daughter that my parents wanted um, was not who I was. And you know, we're audio here; we don't have video. But I have a great picture of me dressed up in a little pink princess outfit mm. with a little. Uh, I think it might have must have been an Easter outfit or something. But you know, I was most at home wearing a baseball outfit, a baseball uniform, and and playing outside in the dirt. Um, so I, I knew right away that I didn't fit in. I knew that things just weren't right about me. And then I was a chubby kid and, and you know, I hated back to school shopping because there was mm. nothing in the girls department that appealed to me. So uh, bless her heart, my mom would take me shopping in the little girl, in the little boys department. But then it was really embarrassing to me that I had to wear husky size pants. Mm. And, and, and it was embarrassing because it didn't help that, you know, I heard a lot of fat pat, fat pat. Oh. And... Um, dad, as great as he was in some ways, he seemed to want the perfect kids. And even when I was young, uh, I would get put on diets to lose weight. We had weekly weigh-ins. If, if I didn't lose weight, I would get put on restriction. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, I distinctly remember my dad, who was self-employed, coming home one evening and he'd been in interviewing for a secretarial position. And this woman showed up, she could type like 100 words per minute and do shorthand. And I was excited and I asked him if he hired her and he said, no, she must have weighed about 300 pounds and who wants to look at that all day? Oh my. So, you know, the message that came through loud and clear uh, to me was that everything about me was wrong, that I was fat, that I was ugly, that nobody wanted to look at me. 
And uh, <laughs> I didn't think it could get any worse, but it did. <laughs> because um, when I was, uh, as a teenager, I awakened to my sexuality. And on top of everything else, by God, I was gay. <laughs> so uh, that was the last thing that I wanted uh, because I really wanted to be loved and accepted uh, just and and, uh, and and I wanted to be a part of the family like everyone else. And you grew up in the Bible Belt of the South, and you know what I heard was that I was in an ob- abomination mm-hmm. and that I was a heathen and that I was going to burn in hell. And uh, that's, that's that's not what I wanted. And so um, I set out to prove that I was straight. And uh, I was about 18 years old. It was shortly after I'd left home. I went to a South Carolina bar and met this cute guy and agreed to go out to the car with him to make out. And uh, I did not know that he invited five of his best friends to come out and join us. And uh, that's when I was sexually assaulted. And there's there's no doubt that this was the uh, the lowest point of my very young life. And I was. Uh, I was deeply ashamed because I thought it was my fault. Um, I thought that uh, that I had somehow brought this onto myself. Um, and it, you know, about a month after the assault happened, you know, I'm this young kid. I'm 18 years old. I've just moved away from home, and I was working at Spencer Gifts. And uh, one of my assailants walked into Spencer Gifts and looked me straight in the eye and didn't even recognize me. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt like the lowliest speck of nothingness that that I was completely unseen and uh, it was a tough time, mm-hmm. you know. But the truth is, is uh, the blessing behind it was is that I realized that I needed to come to terms with who I was, and that uh, you know life goes on, you know. And 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 I buried it. I really did. I shoved it deep, deep down. And uh, is that how you coped? Did you yeah. you put it you put it away? You put it like up on a shelf. Um, I shoved it deep, deep down inside of me, and uh, and I I did. I walked around with shame. I didn't I didn't tell a whole lot of people I was that ashamed. Um, and and part of the reason, you know, I grew up. When I was like 16 or 17, it was during the women's lib era, mm-hmm. and I distinctly remember driving down the road with my father, and there was a woman walking along the road, and she didn't have a bra on. So her breasts were bouncing, and my father said to me, look at that, she's just asking to be raped. Mm-hmm. So obviously when it happened to me, I had to have been asking for it, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was deeply, deeply ashamed. but. Um, I also knew that uh, I had to take responsibility for myself, and there was no going back. I wasn't going to go back home, no way, uh-uh. So uh, I set on about the business of graduating from college. I earned a degree in computer management sciences and uh, launched a career. I worked in the corporate world for a while but wasn't very happy, and then uh, then I launched my own IT consulting business. So I like, I, I think of the... Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I mean, this is this is not an easy topic to discuss. Uh, I know from personal experience how deep trauma and difficulties in life develop the resilience that we have today. It is. This is how we started this, you know, conversation. And Absolutely. I, I believe one hundred percent that we can't, we cannot necessarily control all of the external factors that are going to come our way because it's going to happen. Right. By the time you've hit ten years old, you have already experienced 
loss in some way. By the time you hit 20, even more so, by the time you hit 30, there is some trauma or difficulty that's happened to everybody. And your story is is a painful one. And it's, it's you know, hard for me to hear. But I know that you wouldn't be sitting here today doing what you're doing for other women right. if you hadn't made the choice to turn it into something that makes you better. Because, see, we can't, ex- we can't control the external, but we can control the internal. Right. I totally agree with you. Uh, and, and, you know, I didn't know any better, so yeah. I'm not going to beat myself up for when I was young. But I spent a lot of time in victimhood mm-hmm. and hurt. And, you know, if you just imagine that I've got a ball and chain attached to my leg and I'm dragging uh, everything that happened to me around with me everywhere I go. So I wasn't showing up with very clean energy and I wasn't showing up as the bright light that I truly uh, was destined and am meant to be. So it it took a lot of healing. And, you know, we could do quite a few shows if I told you about all the work that I've done. Uh, I just feel like I'm really blessed to have had some incredible uh, coaches and therapists to help me get to a great place. Um, but it is a choice. And, and I did realize that uh, the biggest problem for me was when I realized that I was a prisoner of my own beliefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that information came to me uh, in a simple stick drawing that I did with my non-dominant left hand. And, and I'm, I'm kneeling, my hands are tied behind my back, and I'm, my head is bowed, and I'm living in an old belief jailhouse. Because I came to realize that I was the one that believed that I was an abomination. I was the one that believed that mm. I was at fault. And when I, when I, and, and that made me my own jailer as well as the prisoner, right? Yeah. So when I shifted that and, um, and released myself from those chains, that's, that's when the magic happened. And I do believe we're at choice and that th- things happen to us, but I, I know for a fact that we can't change what actually happened, but what we can do is heal and we can shift our judgment around what happened. And sometimes that means finding the silver lining, finding the lesson, finding whatever positive came out of it. And when we can shift that judgment, then that changes our perspective. Um, And I've I've done a tremendous amount of that. And like you, I have come to realize that all of these challenges have made me who I am today. I love who I am today. And I'm really grateful for everything. And and when you can be grateful, you know, it's easy to be grateful for the good stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you can be grateful for the interest stuff that's true freedom yeah i i think that some people are that are listening are going to be able to relate to and be in somewhere along the process of what you've just described which is it might and it might not happen overnight it might take a long time to heal it it might i mean we're we're summarizing this in a matter of minutes right but we're talking about a lifetime um that it takes to process it and, and get comfortable with it and heal from it and then be able to once you've healed from it look back on it and know that there was something to come from it and you know there have been some experiences in my life that have you know, i my children's father my first husband um i caught him in a car with my best friend mm-hmm. and my kids were babies mm-hmm. And I, I honestly believe it took me a second marriage and divorce before I really was able to heal from that, to be honest, because right. it was the pain is it's so deep inside you. It's like a crack in your soul. And it takes time to be able to, to really reflect upon where you're at now and, and how you got there. And in that ball and chain example that you gave is so good because it dim it does dim your light when you are pulling something that's so difficult with you and everything that you do half of your focus is not present it's not present and when you're not present you can't be the light that you are absolutely and 
that's why when we sit and we laugh and we joke, like right. I can feel your light because you've gotten there. And right. for those that are listening, you know, I encourage you to go through that process. If you're struggling with something, anything, any trauma or a really difficult time, find ways to heal um, and know that it's a process because we, we do one thing that I think that we often do in one hour long podcasts is we try to summarize a story and a, and a life, um, but it is, you know, it's it's taking, I'm not gonna give anybody your age because that would not be nice of me. <laughs> Let's just say we're take, we're taking your whole life and summarizing it in an hour, but it is a it is such a, a a beautiful process to go through it, and once you can look back and know that you healed. Well, the magic happens, as Brene Brown says, when you're face down in the dirt in the yeah. arena, and yeah. you have to go through that process. And and you know when you you talk about, I mean, you described an incredible betrayal, but I'm sure that wasn't the first betrayal you ever experienced. And right. the thing that happens is that. Um, we have these hurts and pains that accumulate. And then when even the tiniest little thing touches that nerve, then mm. for me, you know, I would explode. I would I would start raging. And and you have to heal this or else, you know, there, there were people that thought that I had a hair trigger. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have a very, very long fuse. It's just that I'm really, really sick and tired of being yeah. abused and, and, um, mm. and, and treated poorly and disrespected, you know? Uh, but but they didn't understand they they had the experience of what happened right then and there whereas i had the experience of a lifetime of this so um letting go healing you know for me it was a many 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 years process and i can tell you that there were three distinct phases i'm going to say that it took me and i don't want this to feel daunting to anyone because i had tremendous progress along the way yeah but you know i'm going to say 10 12 years um to get to where I am, if not longer, because it's it's been a progression. But, you know, in the first phase, the best that I could do was just tolerate myself, you know. And, and then I came to the second phase where I began to accept myself and what had happened and and my history. And then the third phase was when I realized that I could shift this and create the life that I wanted. And I've really come to a space of deep love mm. and respect for myself. And I will tell you unequivocally that self-love is the essential ingredient to having the bright, beautiful, joyful life that, that I think we all have a right to have. But it's not going to happen if you're not in a space of self-love. Yeah. And, and, you know, I came from a complete space of self-loathing to an incredible space of self-love. I like that so much that you shared that because I can feel it from you. And I think that it's amazing to see that in you. And you know what? We should all love ourselves more than anything else. There's this um, there's this saying, you know, that I've heard a couple times over the last few years, and it's it's about not being able to love yourself as equally as we love others. And as women, we do that a lot. You know, we're in positions whether we are daughters, sisters, spouses, mothers. You know, we give so much to other people that we forget about ourselves along the way. And that's part of my journey has been: how am I supposed to expect somebody else to love me if I don't love me? I mean, how I mean, how do you right. expect somebody to treat you th- any differently than you treat yourself? And you know, if we can't, I think Rachel Hollis is the one that said, if we cannot 
stay committed to ourselves first, how can we really commit to anything else that has meaning? And when, when, I, when I first read that statement, I'm like, huh, how often do we actually like let ourselves down? How, we do it all the time, mm-hmm. especially Absolutely. as women. We say, okay, I wanna do this, or I should do this, or this makes me feel really good, I'm gonna do this, but then all these other things come up. So we let ourselves down, we choose, we, we choose other priorities other than ourselves. So you being there, I can feel it in you, and it's amazing. Thanks. But, you know, I want to add a little bit to that because you bring up a great point. And and I actually want to invite everyone to consider that, you know, women tend to try and love others before we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's really possible because what I've witnessed in my life and with a lot of the women that I've worked with as a life coach is that we give and give and give and give without taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And then there, there become, you know, d- resentment develops. Or, you know, I'm giving you all this, why aren't you taking care of me? And um, I, I really would uh, invite all women to, to possibly consider that maybe, just maybe, you can't give something to someone else that you don't give to yourself first. Yes. So, you know, I, I, I invite women to treat themselves with the same compassion that they treat themselves, that, that they treat a, a, a young child or an elderly grandparent with. You know, if we if we treated ourselves that way first, because I know that you know it's funny because I used to say that uh, I I was pretty tough on myself, but I was kind to other people. Well, that's a load of BS because I was just <laughs> I was vicious, especially yeah. with myself. But I was vicious with everyone, mm. and it wasn't until I learned to be kind and caring and considerate and loving of myself that I truly could give that love to others. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that. And I can imagine that the people that you work with, that you coach in any way, shape or form, that's that's the first step. I mean, that that has to be the first step because getting beyond that, I mean, geez, how many how many people on the planet, how many women do we know that are already that are not living in that space? We all know people. You know, in fact, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, if they really looked at themselves in the mirror and told themselves how all the things that they loved they'd be like, they, they, first of all, they'd be so uncomfortable. They wouldn't do it. I bet they <laughs> oh, don't do I can it. relate to here's, that here's, here's the challenge, all right? So everyone listening, this is your goal today. You're going to go do one of those things where you stand in the mirror and tell yourself all the things that you know are really great about you. And it will, it's a, it's a painful, painful process because we don't do it. We don't right. do it enough. You know, and, and, I, one of the first things that I had to learn to do, one of my therapists, actually, Christy Bells, uh, my coach, had me do some mirror work where I looked at myself in the mirror and said, Pat, I love you right now. I no longer wait for you to be perfect to love you right now. And I couldn't look at myself in the mirror, and I had a hard time. That simple statement, for some reason, I couldn't even memorize that. I had oh, to read it, right? Yeah. And then it didn't feel right. You know, it just felt like a lie, right? Yeah. And But I kept after it, you know, and, and sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. So I kept after it, and I kept doing the mirror work. And then, then one day it was like, oh, I only had to read half of it. I remembered the other half. Mm. And then another day showed up where after, you know, six six weeks of doing this, I finally remembered the entire phrase without having to read it. And then lo and behold, one day I went, oh, 
And I looked at myself in the mirror and I kind of liked a little bit of what I saw, just a little bit, just a smidge, Mm -hmm. you know? So you have to stick with it because, you know, we don't develop these habits. When we come to this planet, you know, we're these beautiful children, but we get pressed into the mold of what is and is not acceptable pretty quickly. Um, so it takes a while to to uh, let go of those expectations and to really truly honor ourselves. Do you think that this is shifting though? Do you think that there's that this is happening at a at younger ages now because this is not taught in school? It's not. I mean, my my kids are eighteen and twenty, and sort of that journey of education and empowering yourself is starting to come out at younger ages. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, this was not a conversation that people had. This was not how people parented. We didn't have these conversations, but I have these conversations with my children all the time and they may not have gotten it from school, but they get it. They know that, you know, educating yourself, growing and becoming your best self is how you're going to be successful in anything that you do in life. But this is kind of a new thing. I feel like this has been a shift maybe, let's say, in the last 10 years more publicly. Do you think that it's it's becoming more mainstream or are we still just the outliers having these conversations? Well, you know, I think that we're on the, I think women are on the bleeding edge of healing the planet. Mm. And I'm really, really, really optimistic about this because I've been meeting women, you know, I don't have kids, but I've been meeting women that it blows me away to hear how they're raising their children mm. and the lessons that their children are getting because they're they're not using the same shame and blame manual that my parents used. They're, they're teaching children, you know, how, and you see it in school where you, you see things where they're doing tapping, where they're doing meditation, Yes. where, you know, Brene Brown's work, where children are learning the difference between uh, guilt, I did something wrong, and shame, I am mm. wrong. Mm. You know, I, I am really, really optimistic. I've met some, there were some amazing women at TED yeah. where I, I chatted with them and, and heard stories about their children, and it's, I'm, I'm super, super optimistic. And, of course, it's natural, too, because as women, you know, the grandmothers teach the mothers, the mothers teach the daughters, and yeah. then, you know, at TED... We, we had little Abby, 12-year-old Abby, who yeah. stood up and taught us all. So absolutely, I'm yeah. hopeful that things are shifting in a big way. Me too. And I, and I like that my daughter is one of the girls that is on the, the cusp of learning how to embrace all that makes her special and unique. And nobody else's opinion has anything to do with that. And that's, it's still hard. I mean, she was, you know, she's, she's a great kid and she's in college and she's, you know, she's going along her path, but she's kind of been a witness on the sideline of a lot of girls her age that don't do that, that weren't taught that because she comes home and talks about it. She come, she, you know, I cannot tell you how many years she would come home and say, mom, I I can't believe this friend thinks this about her and she this is what our mother tells her right. or this is and I so I think okay we're, we're a sliver still but it's it's a, still a starting right place. right and right. it's yeah it's it's definitely going to expand and I would just invite everyone to consider uh, years and years and years ago there was a breakthrough book called raising Ophelia and what mm-hmm. the book taught us is that girls uh, prepubescent girls have the same confidence level and belief system that boys have but once they hit puberty that's when it starts mattering to them. Uh, they become less inner, inner, inwardly directed and more directed on what the boys say. And that's mm. when the girls start dumbing down and worrying about um, you know, being accepted by the boys because the boys were threatened if they were too smart or whatever. So um, I b- do believe that things are changing for the better. 
but I'm also going to uh, stay aware and cognizant that a critical age for our children, for our, especially our girls, because the girls, the girls and women are going to heal the planet. Yeah. But the critical time is when they're reaching puberty that yeah. they maintain that self-confidence because the statistics show, and I can't remember if I'm exactly right on this, but I believe they, they lost their confidence and self-esteem at, at puberty and didn't regain it until they were like 28 years old. Jeez. So that's a long gap here yeah. in, in having 50% of the people on the planet that are showing up with their in their full brightness and their full brilliance. Right, because that's when choices get made around drugs and alcohol and sex and mistakes that can really impact a woman's life forever. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. really interesting. Okay, so tell me about, well, first of all, I want to hear more about your speaking. And, and some of the coaching and, and authoring that you've done. But tell me about the TEDx event. Like, how did you, because I, I really loved your, your what do they call it, a talk, TED Talk. Right. Um, but there were some amazing women there. What was that process like getting ready for a, a, a TED event? You know, I, I feel like I'm so, so blessed because I, I knew that I had an important story to share. And mm-hmm. I began investing in myself and investing in learning to be a public speaker about four years ago. And I and I want women to hear that word investing because, you know, I think sometimes we can shy away from spending money on uh on on our education but it's an investment in ourselves to to create the life that we that we want so i spent some money and and hired a coach and learned how to do public speaking and then i put myself out to begin speaking at at events so that i could develop this craft and and i learned a lot and then uh, christy bells is is the executive director for uh tedx cherry creek women and uh daphna and michael mm-hmm. uh, are... and christy's been on my podcast so if, if, they, uh, if people have, have you not if you haven't listened to it you gotta go listen to she's it. the best she's really great yeah. yeah we shout out to christy we love you yeah 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 <laughs> i just i i got to spend some time with her a couple of days ago nice. it's, it's always awesome to yeah. be with her but yeah so i mean i knew i had an important message and i was supported in that and i spent a few years developing the craft and the truth is is that when the TEDx uh, question the, the the email came out asking for applicants I very quickly and, and truthfully flippantly you know stream of consciousness I filled it out and I sent it in right yeah. and I did that I think in March and then I didn't hear anything and then I started to second guess myself huh no surprise there were women right yeah because I started thinking wow maybe I should have put a little more thought into my responses <laughs> And then, then I got the email saying, you made it. And I was like, woohoo, this is great. And I'm like, wow. what do I do now? And, yeah. and so then we had um, three coaching sessions with, uh, with Christy and with Daphna to help us um, hone our message. And, and, you know, you have to be very on point because Ted, uh, the, my TED Talk was 10 minutes. Yeah. And you, you can't, uh, you have to be very careful with your words and be very um, um, mindful about right. uh, what's happening and the message that, that you right. want to communicate. And so I, I had just this amazing experience. And, oh, my goodness, the other speakers, they were all so inspiring. So good. And, you know, you get around the energy of, of women of that level of power and light and, and um, commitment to themselves and commitment to changing the planet it's just so uplifting and energizing you know so uh, it was it was incredible i love it i think i have a ted talk in me just oh, so you absolutely! Know, I think you I, do. I think I have a TED talk in me. I may have. I think we mentioned. I mentioned that before. So I'm. I'm like interested in your process. So how many times? Like how long do you think that you actually prepared for that presentation? You know, the truth is, 
I didn't prepare that long for wow. it because the the truth is is that uh, I've come to a space in my life where rather than trying to force things and make things mm-hmm. happen, I understand that now it's about allowing um, allowing things to to work through me and allowing truthfully spirit universe mm-hmm. higher power whatever word you want to choose to flow through me because this is um, you know I, I'm just an agent for for yeah. what's supposed to be happening here so um, I I just retired and moved to Grand Junction so I had a lot of windshield time driving to and from uh, and and so I would sort of set an intention and then I spent a lot of time talking to myself in the car <laughs> Well, funny enough that you say that. I actually, I practice my podcasting questions and interviews in your bios driving. Right. And I, I've I've started using this new app that takes my voice and turns it into text. Um, so I think I mentioned I've been writing some chapters of a book. And so I'm, I'm actually recording it while I drive because I drive all the time. Nice. So I'm, I'm using this, this this text, this voice to text app. So that's interesting that you say that. That's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, you know, when I went and met with uh, Christy and Daphne, and we, uh, Christy knew that this whole idea that I have, you know, Ted is about having original ideas and original thoughts. So believe it or not, my original idea, my original thought is that everything about me is inherently right. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but we're brought up in a in a community and in a client climate of being, you know, everyone points out our mistakes and our shortcomings and our failures. And, you know, I grew up believing that everything about me was wrong from my sexuality mm-hmm. to my body to to, um, to your sport. <laughs> yeah. To, to what I did as, yeah. uh, f- for my passion. And 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 after I healed, after I did all this healing work and became a life coach, I found that there were other women that also believed that everything about them was wrong. And mm. so one day out of curiosity, I Googled the term inherently wrong. And I wasn't the least bit surprised to find multiple pages that came back that said, you're a bad seed. There's something permanently and irremovably flawed about who you are. So just out of curiosity, I Googled the term inherently right. (laughs) And believe it or not, what came back were political references to right wing and left wing. So I'm just crazy enough to think to myself, well, heck, what, what if everything about me is inherently right? Yeah. What then? I mean, how how different will my life be? How will I show up differently if I absolutely positively in every ounce of my being know that everything about me is inherently right? Mm-hmm. That the clothes that I like to wear, the, the fact that I love all people, especially women, mm-hmm. if that's who I'm supposed to love, what if all this is actually right? And and once I got to that place, then I had this other crazy thought that what if my highest calling is to love myself and to live a life of joy? Oh, oh man. You know, I mean, that's pretty simple, right? <laughs> but pretty darn big. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, so that wound up being the topic of my TED Talk. That's my original thought. And it's truthfully, it's surprising to me that that's an original thought. But I think, it's, I think it's a powerful thought. And I invite everyone out there listening to this podcast, I invite you to consider how different would your life be? How would you show up? And, and what, what would you be like if you knew that everything about you is inherently right? Wow, that's huge. That's, uh, that's the thought of this podcast, actually. This is exactly what we're doing. We are sharing that thought with everyone, with so many women that are starting to realize that about themselves. That's the whole point. 
And I'm not I'm not perfect at that. I'm not I'm not good at always seeing myself that way. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a I'm a work in progress. I um I tell this story about what, starting my own company and how uncomfortable I was representing myself in my business because I've always worked for other big nonprofit organizations, big and small, you know, representing somebody else, somebody else's purpose and cause and doing that had a certain professional attire that I would portray because that's what I knew they needed. So for me to feel 100% comfortable in my body was a really big process. And part of that's because I don't look like every other, you know, professional female business owner. I've got a lot of tattoos. And actually today I have like a ponytail on the top of my head, like, isn't that like pebbles or is that no bam bam i have like a bam bam you look great i love your look i I, I think part of it's because i have a broken hand so i can't do a proper ponytail so i like look like bam bam and but you know i i too embrace that as soon as i did my whole world changed it just made me feel more comfortable in my own skin and that changes the way you interact with everything in Mm -hmm. life so that's that's a really good thought so tell me what what's what's in the plan for 2019 what's in the pipeline boy you know it's it's i don't have anything too much that's hard and fast because on october 31st i retired from a 41 year career in information technology because adv woman has been my second job right yeah so so i'm taking some time off I I committed to three months to allow myself just to get rested Mm. and to get grounded I know that what's important to me is to get this message out so I know I want to speak and you know it's crazy because um, growing up being called a heathen an abomination two two weeks after the TEDx talk I delivered the Sunday message at my uh, CSL Grand Junction Church, oh, which amazing. to me was just pretty amazing. Oh, you know, that is amazing. <laughs> not bad, not bad for a for a heathen, right? And uh, you so, heathen, yeah, you. absolutely. So, so yeah. I want to get my message out. Yeah, I'm continuing to uh, to do my off road motorcycling. I. I'm being selective about what I choose to do initially just because, you know, I don't want to get right back into that same grind. I have yeah. a tendency to take a project and just go full tilt with it. And I'm embracing this new phase of my life. And uh, I, I plan on doing what I call uh, roundups, where I travel to different parts of the country and I, and I teach, I round up the local women, teach lessons there and maybe speak there. The truth is I want to travel. So, so this way, between the speaking and the motorcycle, it gives me an opportunity to travel and meet really, really wonderful people and see incredible sights. And that's what I want to do. I love it. And I want to go with you. We, we should, I want to round up with you. We can, we, can we group round up? <laughs> Heck yeah. We can podcast. We can, Absolutely. we can, I mean, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I love it. And if, talk more about how people can find out about doing motorcycling, off-roading with you, because, you know, for a lot of women, this is something we haven't done. And I love the concept that you are for women by women. So you right. have, you know, you are teaching women the basics to be able to do it. So you don't, nobody has to have a skill in riding a motorcycle before they work with you. Right. Well, the truth is, is most people already have a skill that they don't know that they have. Mm. Uh, Most women uh, know more and they're more skilled than what they think that they are. And uh, I, uh, my website is advwoman.com. That's alpha delta victor woman.com. And I'm going to be updating a schedule there. Uh, I, 
I'm going to be doing some events for brand new riders and and speaking and and I can see myself doing classroom training mm-hmm. where we just have a bike there and and actually you know I I was here uh, outside of the studio a few minutes before we started and I was showing Taverly how I teach mm-hmm. without ever starting the motorcycle up because mm-hmm. women develop confidence differently than men do we we want to know things before we actually get into get the bike turned on and get doing things so I spend about an hour and a half doing things just sitting on the motorcycle without it running so by the time we even fire up the motorcycle you already have developed skills and know how to do Mm. things so uh, yeah I intend to be doing some uh, group training with that I do private lessons Uh, I'm going to be traveling all over the United States I'd love to travel around the world and Mm. teach in different uh, countries uh, and and I wish I could be more firm about uh, what my exact plans are, but but I'm not. That's just where I am right now. I That's just good. retired, and yeah. I'm giving myself some time to breathe a little bit. But I whatever I do, it's going to be my my primary goal is to empower women. And if the tool that I use for empowerment is motorcycles, so be it. If the tool that I use is speaking, so be it. If the tool that I use is coaching, life coaching, so be it. But uh, most of all, I just the first thing that I want women to do is just to crack the idea of the possibility that everything about them is inherently right and that women have every right to their dreams and desires and it's right there and let's go get it. You know, you are, you're already doing that. You're, you, are, you are doing that. You are delivering that that empowerment in everything that you're doing. And I know because I'm one of the people that you've empowered. <laughs> From the time that I heard you speak to meeting with you till today, it's it's been such a pleasure. You are, you know, you are like a, a voice now in my head that I could hear. And, you know, it makes me feel like I have a little more courage because of what you've done and what you continue to do. Well, thank you. But what I know for a fact is I want to hang out with you because you're pretty cool. <laughs> You know? You're pretty cool too. Yeah. I want to round up with you. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is let's gonna, do it. So, I'm gonna put it on my planning for 2019. We'll figure more out, and uh, we'll get some more, some more of these Grace and Grit women involved, that and and great. just get a nice tribe of women to get out there and play and be badass together. Awesome. How's that sound? That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, Pat. And um, social, do you have social media that people can follow you on if they want to learn more? Uh, yeah, on Facebook it's ADV Woman. Uh, Facebook.com ADV Woman and on Instagram it's ADV Woman. Awesome. So the last question I have to ask you, which I ask all my guests, is and I understand that what you're going to say now today would be very different from any other time in your life. But what percentage of grit and grace are you? Ah, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say fifty-fifty um, mm. because I will tell you that. Uh, grace to me is I'm completely grounded in my spirituality. I know that that's my superpower. I know that that's the light that's within me that guides me. I know that that light has been there all along, even when I didn't know it was there. But I also know that we're having this human experience, and that takes a lot of grit. Uh, and and so I'm going to say that it's a 50-50 balance and that they uh, complement each other and support each other equally. Love it. I love it. I Thank strive you. for 50-50. I do. I think sometimes I leave a little bit of the grace behind depends on the day <laughs> depends on the day it depends on which teenagers at home on that day exactly actually. <laughs> exactly well thank you again for joining us and for those of you listening if you are not yet a premium member at the ladies chit chat club.com please go join us you can hear more amazing stories like pat and you can find us on facebook at grit and grace podcast or you know me Taverly, corporate cause thanks for listening and go be fierce